Cade Mila Falta. Welcome to the Letter from Ireland show, where we travel in the footsteps of your Irish ancestors, visiting their homelands and telling their stories as they put down roots in so many places around the world. Thanks for listening to the show. To support the podcast and letter, get lots of member-only features and follow Mike and Karina behind the scenes, go to aletterfromireland.com forward slash plus. That's aletterfromireland.com forward slash plus. Now, let's get on with the show. This week, as always, we're off to visit the places of your Irish ancestors and bring their stories to life. Living in Ireland, just outside Cork City, our visits into County Cork are just a short hop back west for us. And in today's show, I'm off along another branch of my family tree. I know some of you listeners have the surname Cronin in your Irish family tree too. And many more have mentioned that their ancestors have hailed from County Cork. So why don't you come along with me as I trace my West Cork family roots and I'd love for you to discover along the way maybe a hint or two on how to locate your own Irish ancestors. Today I'm starting the search with my father's father, that's my paternal grandfather, and his name was Bartholomew Cronin. Unfortunately, us Irish pay very little attention to uncovering our roots because living in Ireland, our family history is all around us and we take a lot of what we have for granted. So take, for example, my Cronin line that I'm going to investigate in this show. I spent the first 17 years of my life in the home that Bartholomew Cronin, my grandfather, had lived all his married life. Unfortunately, I didn't get to meet him as he died before I was born. But because I knew vaguely about him, I wasn't at all curious about his life or where he came from. All that has changed for me, though, since I started on the letter from Ireland and being part of the green room. I can experience now firsthand the joy of members when making ancestral connections back to Ireland. And I want in. Here I am, lucky enough to live in Ireland, in the home of my ancestors. And so I've no excuse. But where would I go about discovering these details from long ago. In today's Letter from Ireland show, I'd like to share the process of discovery with you and you can join me in tracking down my own Irish ancestor, my grandfather Bartholomew Cronin. And I'll be delighted for you to tag along and my hope is the show will inform your own family research in tracking your own elusive Irish ancestors. Mike Collins is author of The Letter from Ireland and mastermind of The Green Room, and here he is with me to begin the show. Hi, Karina. How are you doing today? Great, Mike. I'm delighted that you're here with us on the Letter from Ireland show. Well, I think it's going to be a very special one today because I do believe that you're going to be in search of one particular side of your family. Can you tell us a little bit more? Yes, I'd like to search for my grandfather, Bartholomew Cronin. Now, that doesn't seem like a very long search, but I actually never got to meet the guy. Oh. Yes, and... There weren't many tales or stories told in the family either, so he's a little bit of a man in the shadows. And Dark I, and mysterious past. I'd like to bring him out to the light if I could. <laughs> yeah, you know, isn't it, isn't it very interesting how, you know, sometimes folks, uh, let's say who are overseas and so on, rather than being in Ireland, they seem to know the name of every one of their great-grandparents, for example. Yet somehow you kind of live in the middle of a family 
and you just never hear that kind of great your grandfather's kind of much about their life and in some cases their surnames or grandmothers and so on and so forth so okay so can you tell us a little bit about what you know already well let's start so i i do know that he lived in the shop in ovens where i grew up and I also know that he came there to marry my grandmother. And that's in County Cork, by the way. And that's in County Cork in Ovens. So that's just eight miles outside the city. And um, I remember one memory as well. My mother said that she was, um, her, when she was going out with my dad, it was before they were married, uh, my grandfather was ill, seemingly, and he wanted to meet um, my mum. So he wanted to see who his son was marrying, I suppose. And she did say that he was a very, very nice man. But the meeting was brief because I think it was in a hospital. So he gave the blessing, so to speak. Yes. Um, yeah. And that's, that's, that's really as much as I know. Okay. So maybe we'll just kind of, that's what you know. But now tell us really what you particularly would, above all, you'd like to find out about the man and his family. Well, wouldn't it be lovely just to find out about his own family and maybe where he had come from before he became part of the Cronin So where family. he lived before being married, where he was born, where he was brought up, that sort of that thing? That sort of thing, before he became part of Cronin Shop and Ovens. I'd like to know what happened there beforehand and maybe even find out a bit about his own father and his family. Maybe he had brothers and sisters. I know he had, but I'm not sure how many and I don't know anything at all about them. Okay. And I I understand that you know exactly where your grandmother's buried. And funnily enough, your grandfather, his, her husband, is not buried alongside her. Yeah, we took a trip out there to Lazarda to Kilmurray Graveyard, found my grandmother, Catherine Cronin, but no sign of my grandfather, Bartholomew. So that's another mystery, is it? Yes, where he's buried would be very interesting, I think. Mm. And I think it's great that you're actually, you know, focusing on just one person, because the biggest story always comes out. I think of that, it comes out of the, um, if you try to focus on everything, well, that's not focusing anyway, is it? So by taking Bartholomew, hopefully, as you say, we'll find out an awful lot more about the life and times of the Cronins. And I do believe you also have kind of a request to go even further back. Yes, wouldn't it be wonderful to find out about the Cronin surname? And I know, Mike, that you'll be a help here because that's one of your fortes. And I'd love to find out a little bit more about the whole Cronin surname clan and where they came from in Ireland. Okay, so as a plan generally, well, we're going to kind of go to some of the places and uh, do a little bit of research. And maybe at the end, in fact, definitely at the end, let's blow it up a little bit. Let's look at the bigger picture, the more ancient history of the Cronins and where they came from. But only after we've tracked down the whereabouts of your grandfather, Bartholomew Cronin. So, where should we start? Well, let's start with the first place we know he was, and that's in Ovens, County Cork. All right, so going out there now? Yes, let's head that direction.
blustery here today, isn't it? Does this place bring back memories for you, Karina, your granddad? Well, Mike, I think this place really does because we're standing in front of the shop, the little shop here attached to the larger house. And of course, this is ovens and I grew up in that house over the shop and beside the shop. And right, we're right beside the school and the churches across the way here. And so this, this, I guess, would have been the place where my grandfather must have come sometime in the early 1900s. Uh, down the road was where the trains there were trains running then at the time into Cork City so he could have stopped off there maybe or maybe on the, off the main road on the other side here and come and visited this shop and met my grandmother and of course they were married then in 1919 in the church here in Knock on Moor Ovens That's just across the road from us there Karina would that be right? Yes the church the church, the school and the house and the shop all in a line here in this little, little village here in Ovens and looking at the house today, it's a bigger house, I imagine, than would have been there when my grandfather first came. Because I do remember my father mentioning that my grandfather's brother, that would have been his own uncle and my granduncle, um, and of course there were a lot of carpenters in the family, had come back at one stage from America and they had put on the second story to the house. So I always knew it as a two-story house as I'm looking at it there today. But it must have been a long, lower house at one stage. Yeah, and, and your granddad basically lived here so essentially from the time he was married around about 1919 till the time of his death around 1959. I know now you're eager to go back and find out just where he came from and perhaps where he's buried as well. So how about we go back and do a dive into the records and see what we can come up with? What do you think? Yeah, well we've started the journey, I'd like to continue it. Okay, let's do that. That looks like an impressive amount of records you have pulled out there, Mike, in front of you. So I'm dying to find out what you've discovered. Well, impressive is great, Karina, but let's just see, um, as you say, what's relevant to you and where we can take from there. So would you like me to go through some of the main points that I've discovered around your grandfather, Bartholomew Cronin? I can't wait. Okay. Well, in looking through the birth, marriage, death records and the various location records, a number of things have uh, jumped out at me. First of all, Bartholomew was actually born in 1887. And he was born in a small little village to the northeast of a town called McCroom, which I, you know yourself, in uh, just west of here. And um, so, first of all, Bartholomew was actually born. His father was called John Cronin and his mother was Margaret O'Reardon. So I have an O'Reardon as well in my family Ooh. tree. Okay. How's that feel, yeah? Yes, it's great that it's getting bigger. Okay, so his parents appeared to be there in that place called Roisin already. And alongside Bartholomew, he actually had eight other siblings. There's quite an amount of them. Wow, that was a very big family. And did you know of some of these? Do you hear about some of these along the way? Vaguely heard of one uncle that, you know, came and, and, and lived with my dad for a while. But that was all. I, I never, re I knew, I knew there were brothers, maybe, but no idea there were so many. Yeah, and no, 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 nothing at all about sisters. Now, would you like to know a little bit more about the family, the Cronin family there in Rasheen? Yes. What, what did they get yeah. up to in Rasheen? Well, it's quite interesting because, believe it or not, it appears that they may have been a, a Bartholomew is brought up in what's a mirror image of what he moved to in ovens when he met your grandmother. In fact, um, and not only are they resident, the whole family in Rasheen, but it appears they had a shop and a carpentry works store in the main turn of the road, directly opposite the church in Rasheen, as I look in the satellite maps. 
Well, that sounds like you're describing ovens where mm. Bart um, married and lived, isn't it? With the church and the shop and the school nearby. And There you go. And not only that, but in fact, I've actually done a little bit of research. And as I mentioned, John Crone and his father was a carpenter, I suppose, builder as well at those time. It was kind of all the one. And many of his sons were, including Bartholomew, so he was a carpenter, your grandfather. And it was his father, John Crone, who built the school just across the road from the house. Wow. So there's a, there's a place there that has the Crone and imprint, I think, all over it. Now, one other thing there as well, which I think is of interest, is Rusheen is actually in the actual Roman Catholic parish of Ahina, that's A-G-H-I-N-A-G-H. And the actual, I suppose, kind of the, the cemetery for Ahina is a very ancient one down there by the River um, Lee, I think, not too far from Rusheen, just a few miles. Then the chances are, if we go out there, we'll actually find the place that Bartholomew, or maybe even his family, were buried down through the years as well. Well, there's a few places there now, Mike, that we'd love to visit, aren't there? Yeah, well, there's Ahina Cemetery. I'm sure we're going to go there. And, of course, Rasheen, yes. where Bartholomew started, so to speak. Yes. Um, but do you have any questions with regards to uh, what I just kind of went through there? Would you would you like to especially see something? or? Well, there's shops there anywhere, mm. aren't there? And there's, there's a lot of talk of carpenters and oh, yeah. building. So that would be great to see that, you know, different things that were built, maybe. But... I, and the shop thing just rings a bell for me now because I do know that there's a Cronin, a relation of ours, I hear tell, in a shop in McCroom. Okay. Now, he may be quite old at this stage, but, you know, the way we pass through every day and never stop. But I do know at the top of the town there, there's a Cronin shop. And I and I, I think... I know. Is this the MJ Cronin on the square there, is it? That's the one. That's the one. The old drapery. Yes. Looks lovely. Lovely old shop. Yes. So I think it would be great to go there and to ask, I don't even know his name, the man in that shop, yeah. what relation, I think he's my father's cousin, but what he knows maybe about the Cronin family. So we're going to adopt Irish research techniques. I think in other words, we're going to go out, we're going to start knocking on doors. That sounds like yeah. the plan. And let's see what we discover. And let's take from there then. We'll go out to Rasheen and we'll actually head out to Ahina as well. But hopefully in the meantime, we'll find out a whole lot more. I'd love to start in McCroom right. and meet a Cronin relation there. Well, you can pick up the pile of records there, Karina. Put them under your arm and let's head off. Great, Mike. Let's go. He made of two hollow ranks for court and no word of advice I will give unto ye. Proceed to Bantir to the athletic sports and, and hand in your names to the club committee. And never commence any sketch on your program till the carriage you see flying over the hill. Ride on through the valleys and lands of Kilcorny with our own darling sportsman, the bald Teddy Quill. For rambling, for roving, for football or courting, or drinking black porter as fast as you fill. In all your days roving, you'll find us so jovial as a muskery sportsman about Teddy Quill. 
at the great Harlan match between Cork and Tipperary. It was played in the park on the banks of the Lee. Our own darling lads were afraid of being beaten, so they sent for Balthady to ball and agree. He hurled that ball right and left in their faces and showed the Tipperary men action and skill. If he touched on his lines, he would certainly bring them, and the papers were full of the praise of Ted Quill. For rambling, for roaming, for football or courting, or drinking black porter as fast as you'd fill. In all your days roaming, you'll find them so jovial as a muscary sportsman of old Teddy Quill. At the Cork exhibition, there was a fair lady whose fortune exceeded a million or more. But a bad constitution had ruined her completely, and medical treatment had failed o'er and o'er. Our mother says she sure I know what will ease me and cure this disease, which will certainly kill. Give over your doctors and medical treatment. I'd rather one squeeze out of both Teddy Quill. For rambling, for roaming, for football or courting, or drinking black porter as fast as you'd fill. In all your days roaming, you'll find none so jovial as a muscular sportsman, the whole Teddy Quill. Well, we were off to McCroom, which is a very busy market town about halfway between Cork and Killarney. And we kept an eye out for that sign for Cronin's Drapery Shop and we spotted it very quickly at the top of the town, MJ Cronin. So we stopped, parked up and headed in. We've just stepped into the shop of um, Michael J. Cronin, I see up over the frontier, so it must be some relation of ours and inside the door I found a man that looked a little bit like my dad and here he is to have a chat with us. Now what's, so? What's your name? Uh, Ted Cronin and we're delighted to meet all relations. And Ted are you a first cousin of my David I, Cronin? I certainly am. And your great-grandfather is uh, John Cronin yes. uh, no my great-grandfather is John Cronin and that's your grandfather. Absolutely. Very good. And can you tell us a little bit about the shop here in McCroom? There seems to be a lot of shopkeepers in the Cronin family. Yeah, there is. Well, my father started roughly 100 years ago. And that would be Bart Cronin's brother. That's right, exactly. Okay. And uh, he had... A, he had, And my, my mother was involved too. She, My mother had the ladies' end of it. We had a ladies' end of it. We had a ladies' department... Until very recently, and when we got married, Joe and my wife took over, and she was managing that until about seven or eight years ago. So they've been Cronin's here, and this shop is still going? Yes, exactly. So far, so good. Excellent. (laughs) (laughs) And now, what we're looking at, too, is where the Cronin family came from. So before your uh, father came in here to run the shop in McCroom. Yes. They would have come from outside McCroom, I heard. They would have come. He was born and reared in Rasheen. And that's just a few miles out the road there. Four miles out the road. And can you tell us a little bit about the... And he came into school, came into school when he was finished in Rasheen in a donkey. I was wondering how they travelled. That's right. Okay, so when he was finished in primary school out in Rasheen... That's right, yeah. There was no secondary school here, but there, there was... 
78 in the national school here. And oh. that was the extent of the education. So you you furthered your edu- your national school education by coming into McCrew. <laughs> exactly. And he came in the donkey. That's right, exactly. Okay. And he was older than Bart, wasn't he, your father? Yes, as far as I know, yes. But I think they were both quite friendly yes. that they were stood for each other at their marriages and yes, things like exactly. that. Yes, exactly, yes. Okay. Um, but you said your dad died... 42, 1942. In 1942. Yeah. Okay, so you, you were only 13, you said, at That's the time. Right, exactly. So you haven't a lot of memories, no, I suppose, no, about, no, no, about no. the family then. No. But in Rasheen, so the, there was still a shop there too, I think, did yes, you say? Yes, yes, right. There was a shop in Rasheen until about... Eileen was still in the shopping machine until about, I'd say, eight years ago. And when Eileen died, the, the shop closed and a niece in Donegal has the premises now. Oh, very good. So it's yeah. really, it's all, it stayed it's in John, the family. John, so. Yeah, exactly. John Cronin, John, her, uh, John, Cronin was in the, John Cronin was the only boy in the family in Rasheen. And he was a vocational teacher. And okay. he was married in Donegal. And his daughter, his daughter is, is, is nursing in America and she got the place and she still has it. And she comes about twice a year, three times a year maybe, and she spends a fortnight, maybe a week or a fortnight up there. So there's still a connection with the shop so in, in Rasheen? Because I think we'll, we'll have to go out to Rasheen yes. and have a look around there yes. and uh, see what life and what, the, what was there when Bart and your dad... That's right. Started yes, right, out that's there. Right. That would be good to know. Good. Okay. Thanks very much, Ted, for inviting us into your shop here oh, in, in McCroom. We're delighted to meet you. Thanks. Well, it's not every day you get to meet your second cousin. And what a lovely man Ted was. So he joined us and we went off to explore the place where all the Cronins had lived and where my Bartholomew Cronin had been born and grew up. And off we went to Rasheen. Now, Rasheen is just a few miles over the road from Akroom along the River Lee. And we were going back to the home place of the Cronins. I'm standing here outside the old Cronin house in Rasheen. And I'm here with Ted Cronin. And his father, Michael Cronin, was a brother to Bat Cronin, my grandfather. And I think they both grew up here. Is that right? Absolutely. Born here and grew up here. Very good. And across the way is the church, and I imagine that would have been where they would have been baptised? Yes, definitely. And then down below we is the school, the school. which um, we discovered uh, my grandfather's father, John Cronin, built. Absolutely. In 1884. Oh, wow. And an interesting thing, when we were down with the headmaster there in the school, we discovered in the old roll books that your father, M- Michael... Michael Cronin was the first pupil in there. And he was top of the class. <laughs> Emphasise that. And also, um, we found Bat Cronin then, my um, grandfather, further down along the roll book, and his there arriving in at age four, which was lovely to see, yes, wasn't it? that's right. Great. And this, this house here reminds me of the house that I grew up in in ovens. And you tell me that one part of it here was a shop, is that right? Correct, yes. And here at the side... Was wh- the workshop... So, um, because he was a carpenter, wasn't he as That's well? Absolutely. My, my grandfather. Come shopkeeper. Right. So there was a shop. There was the carpentry shop. That's right. And out the back there then in the field? They were farming. Small time farmers. 
and they would have kept a few animals. Yeah, and four cows, I'd say. Four cows. Yes. And, and did they? Do you said a pony and trap? Maybe. Oh yes, been... definitely a pony and trap. Yes, that was that meaning of coming of 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 travelling out the cock. Are you out to McCroom? Sorry. So McCroom would be where they'd have gone for their yes, shopping. Yes, exactly. And, and yeah. yeah. Exactly. So you came here as a young boy on holidays. You I said. did. Yes, I did. Because John would be roughly the same age as myself. He was a year older. When I he grew up here, he was Jeremiah's son. Okay. And yet there was four girls there, as you know. Yes. And he was part of that family. And I would be the same age group when I was growing out here in holidays at nine or ten years of age. So you come out from a croom for Absolutely. your holidays yeah, here exactly. to Rasheen. Exactly. So you found memories of this place, though, I, I have suppose. indeed. I have indeed. Very I have good. indeed. Okay. And what's your, what does it feel like to you now, standing outside the old house and <laughs> looking up the road at the church and the school? You know, the place hasn't changed very much. The school really is after exploding in size. Yes. And we would attribute that to the fact that there's a very progressive teacher here. Yes, yes. But the rest seems like it's it's stepped back in time. Exactly. Well, thanks very much, Ted, for sharing those memories with us. We said goodbye to Ted, but before he left, he provided us with some more vital information. He thought Bartholomew Cronin was buried in a Hina cemetery, and this would have concurred with Mike's records, but he wasn't sure where. So we decided that that had to be the next step on our journey. We were back in the car and off to find a Hina graveyard, which was another few miles further down the road from Rasheen. Well, Karina, we're standing here now on a Sunday morning in, I suppose, kind of a lovely, lovely old churchyard where the church is practically gone at this point and um, we're surrounded by lots and lots of gravestones and what do we have in front of us? Well I've made an exciting find Mike because I found first off John Cronin who would be my grandfather's father and then reading down along the stone we have his wife and his children and then we pulled away all the briars and right down on the base of the stone where I've never actually seen uh, names written before I find that there are two three more uh, brothers and Bartholomew is right down there at the end and I'm just going to lean down there now and read it so it says Bartholomew died 19th of April 1959 so that is my grandfather we have found the Cronin burial plot here in this lovely lovely old graveyard in Ahina. And uh, am I right to say you never really knew he was here? You suspected you knew he's buried somewhere back in McCroom as such yeah, but you but you never would actually come back here in the first place? No um, I would never. This is a real old little picturesque spot here by the river but it's it's a very quiet place and place that you wouldn't normally pass. I would have known about the McCroom graveyard because you'd pass that on the way to Killarney um, but never never up here and this is this is a really pretty picturesque spot and how does it feel to you having found the spot yourself well i think it's it's a, it's a very satisfying feeling actually having standing here and just seeing all the names and it's different to seeing them in the records seeing them here on this lovely fairly big headstone actually with a lovely cross on top um yeah there's something a lot more real for me when i see it here in stone as opposed to in on paper. Lovely. Well, you know, Karina, maybe we should kind of go back now and um, we're finding out loads, but we'll uh, track your 
In this case, your granddad and his family back to the place where they started themselves and we'll see what lies beyond that. How about that? Yes, I'd like to do that. Okay, let's go. The strange thing about finding that Cronin plot there in a Hina graveyard was that nine times out of ten, Mike is always the one that locates the graves. I'm always up and down searching and never seem to spot them. But this time, it was I that found the Cronin plot. There they were, all the Cronins together, except one brother, that's Ted's father, who was Michael. But we also discovered on the headstone that Bart had two more brothers, a John and Daniel Cronin, that we hadn't even yet come across in the records. So it was time to get back and have a look at those records again. When two lovers meet down beside the green bower. When two lovers meet down beneath the green tree When Mary fond Mary declared to her lover You have stolen my poor heart from the banks of the lea I loved her very dearly, so true and sincerely. There was no one in this white world I loved better than she. from me How little was our notion When we parted on the ocean That we were forever parted From the banks of the lea I will pluck her some roses Some blooming Irish roses I will pluck her some roses The fairest that ever grew And I lay them on the grave Of my own true lovely Mary In that cold and silent churchyard where she sleeps neath the dew. I loved her very dearly, so true and sincerely. There was no one in this white world I loved better than she. Every sweet Irish flower 
At the beginning of this journey, Mike, I was looking for three things. I wanted to find out uh, Bartholomew Cronin, where he was born and brought up. And we discovered that, didn't we? That was wonderful yeah. to, to, to walk in Rasheen and, and see the house, everything just as it was almost. And the second thing I was looking for was his final resting place. And we found that too in Ahina graveyard just yes. wasn't that just a few miles down the road a from Rashi spot it was too yeah oh, beautiful scenic spot by the lee now you might remember there was a third thing i was looking for in my search and that was i'd love to discover a little bit more about the whole cronin surname and more about the cronin history and cronin the cronin name okay well how, how about we spend the next couple of minutes just going around that particular topic yes i'd love that yeah, as you say i'll probably round off the kind of whole bigger ideas to like like many irish families we have histories and those histories go all the way back you know in a lot of cases to the beginning of the surname itself back in the 800s 900s 1000s 1100s so and do you mean the cronin surname would have gone back that far yeah maybe further probably possibly it depends and you know for some people will tell you absolutes but you know a lot of this stuff has to do with, well, you know, this is as much as we know, because an awful lot of stuff is not written down. Some of the stuff is guessed at and so on. But let me let me run through with you and see what so, you think yourself. More an oral history, so really, for a lot of Irish. Uh, which we're continuing here, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So so first of all, I suppose, kind of Ochronin, which would be kind of what you would hear your own surname in Irish, I guess, as a child in school. Yeah. Yeah. And for a girl, knee. So I would Necronine, be. Necronine, of course. Karina Necronine. Or were you Kathleen? Or no, Karina Necronine. Karina Necronine. So the, the Ochronine um, kind of clan, I suppose, comes from the Irish word crone in the first place, which doesn't mean, let's say, kind of an older woman in a family and so on. Sorry, Mike, did you say the word crone, is it? Yeah. Crone. Oh, mm. interesting. And, you know, Ean, when you hear at the end of a word, an Irish word typically be a diminutive, like the small one, that sort of thing, as you know. So, crone itself it comes from um, pretty much the word saffron. Oh. You know, and it's saffron is, again, going back to a lot of uh, first names in Ireland, like crone, which actually was a first name way back. Um, it tends to be a descriptive thing. So, you're talking about probably somebody with maybe strawberry blonde type hair, for example, or fair hair, that sort of thing. All right. Yeah, of course, so you I don't dark hair. <laughs> we have a lot of dark hair in our family, so we don't live up yeah. to that trait. Yeah. But, you know, again, like most Irish surnames, it's uh, named after, uh, an, um, I suppose, kind of a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, an important ancestor going back who was called Crone at some stage. But you know what? In a lot of cases with some surnames like O'Brien and so on, it's much easier to kind of uh, latch into what the prehistory is as well as the more recent history because you have genealogies, to work, the big genealogies to work with. You've castles, you've lands to see, you've prominent members of those families. But, you know, Cronin is a little bit different actually because apart from one particular place, which I'm going to go through in a few minutes, it's actually quite difficult to pin them down to anything that's actually still standing. However, oh, Mike, you disappoint me there. Uh, There's no big castles well, in my Well, you have Rasheen. You can go with that for starters. But, you know, Karina, if we actually go back before that, um, the the uh, the thing is, if you get a descriptive uh, name like Crone in the first place, the chances are it'll actually pop up as a first name in many, many parts of Ireland. And some of those will go on to become surnames. And so it was with the O'Cronine surname. It's actually found in maybe three distinct places in Cork, um, in Limerick, 
And let me just think in Kerry as well. Okay. Yeah, but by far the more prominent one is the one that you're attached to, which the uh, Cronines of West Cork, not West Cork, into the Kerry board, thereabouts. Now, I'm going to take a slightly different tack on this one, if you don't mind. And I'm going to reel the years all the way back to around about the year 550. Oh, that's going far back. Uh, how's your memory working on that one? <laughs> <laughs> and we're talking about a very, very specific, um, speaking about kind of a fair-haired one, like Crone and so on. There was a saint, well, there was a man by the name of Lachan, who was brought up in the lands around what's now known as Gugan Barra in West Cork. And as you might imagine, Gugan Barra, because his name was Finbar, Barra. was subsequently named after him. But it wasn't always known as that. It was actually called... Uh, I think it was Loch, Loch I, yeah, Loch Irk, Irka, there, that sort of thing. But what I'm getting at here is this particular guy called Lachan assumed the name of a fair-haired one, Finbar. And he actually went abroad, like a lot of kind of established families. He was sent abroad to study. At a time, it was very much considered the Dark Ages across Europe. And you might remember, I suppose, kind of early Irish Christianity from that point on was considered to be very much shining a light across Europe, mm-hmm. in fact. Uh, we had the establishment of the earliest monasteries and so on around the place, based so, upon, I suppose, kind of the abbeys of the early saints. So this was the time, would this be the time that was known in Ireland as the land of saints and scholars? There you go. That's particularly what gave yes. it its name around that time, because it's shortly after the actual appearance of St. Patrick um, on our shores. And in fact, for example, in Wales at the same time, St. David would have been making his appearance and in fact was a contemporary of St. Finbar. Now, bear with me here. This is the slightly complicated bit. The thing about um, families in ancient Ireland, let's call it pre-medieval and medieval Ireland, is they existed on their own lands as minor kings, minor chieftains, if you like, typically supported to more major chieftains. But alongside that then, the church, as it was becoming established into the kind of eight 900s especially, they were starting to own lands as well, in parallel with the various chieftains. Oh, right. And what you had was you had various families then who were chief of the land. So it might be a very small area or it might be a very, very large area, like an entire uh, province, for example. Okay. And at the time, if we go back, uh, I'm just going to kind of roll back a bit. As I mentioned, basically, Finbar was actually brought up in an area around the place we now call Gugambara. But further on, if we actually just go on a few hundred years, and I'm making a connection here for was you. Was that Finbar or Loch? Yeah, he became Finbar, same oh, guy. Oh, right, okay. Same guy. Okay, so... Became a saintly name, so to speak. Oh, right. Yeah. But what happened with the actual Irish families is they typically got known for various jobs. So substantial rumps of the various families, what surnames, took on roles like medical roles or perhaps kind of law roles or genealogy roles. And one important role as well was something we actually called uh, Corv or Irena, two separate things. And what those families were, they were responsible for particular pieces of church land. They were lay people, if you like, but they were responsible for actually gathering the tithes on behalf of the church for that particular piece of land. I see. So that was their job. Gotcha. That's exactly it. And that tended to pass down in the same way as, you know, a carpenter might pass down from one generation to the next. The responsibility for that passed down from one generation to the next as well. Within the same family. Yeah, that's exactly it. Now, there's a little thing here because there's two phrases I ran at you. One was corb and the other one actually was arena. Now, the the corb, if I pronounce that correctly, was the grouping from which the saints typically came in the first place into which they were born. 
So you might imagine that was quite important. That was an important family. Yeah. yeah. So they typically looked after, you know, very often a substantial piece of land, gathered the tides in that area, and typically it was the major abbey, for example, a monastery associated with the saint. Then you have the arena, and they tended to be the families that happened to own the place okay. on which maybe the saint or his, uh, his um, descendants would have actually planted more abbeys, monasteries, and so on. And they would be responsible for gathering the tides and giving it to the church over time. Now, the reason I say all this is because the Cronins, or certainly a branch of them, were actually arenas for Gugambara. So they would have been responsible for gathering the tides around there. Exactly. So essentially, you know, for example, just up the road in the town called Balavorna, we have another saint, St. Gubnet, mm-hmm. and the O'Harlihees would or- be the arenas of that particular area. So associated with St. Gubnet and actually gathering tides typically for the church of the area. I see. Okay. Uh, okay. It's, yeah. You're right. There's a bigger picture coming there in there. There is a slightly bigger picture because that particular group of Cronins, the O'Cronines, first of all, you could say they were very much based around that part of West Cork. And we're probably, go- probably going all the way back to the two or three hundreds, at which point it's kind of guessed they may be part of the wider, what we call the Onacht or the McCarthy clan, basically, that may have come over from Wales in the two or three hundred. But that's not necessarily correct. We just don't know for certain. All so right? far back. The yeah. only thing we know for certain, at some point in time, the Cronins were responsible, probably up to the 1600s or thereabouts, for the lands around that place called Gugambar, which are very much associated with St. Finbar, the patron saint of Cork. So it's a bit of a mixed bag there, Karina, because... Uh, that's for, fantastic, Mike. It's not mixed at all. I really, really enjoyed that. That's great. There's there's so much to take on board there. It's it's fantastic to know all that. And Gugon yeah. is just a, a place we used to visit when we were kids. Yes. And I'll just tell you a little story because I think it's worth it. And that is that we grew up by a church, you know, and... Um, Every time something was needed at the church or some help was needed, my dad was called to go down and and assist. And similarly, his father as well. So I think they were still linked with the church for quite a long time. And you know, the other there was no money in it, though. I'll I'll hasten to add. Let's just add a little frisson in there, so shall we? Because the other thing, of course, would have been that the the Cronins, you might imagine, as um, I suppose, kind of as arenas, it wasn't just about being actually. Uh, how to say, good at looking after the church and so on. It's about good at looking after money, the tides, the collections, uh, perhaps the actual relics belonging to the saint. Very, very valuable things at that time. That was like stocks and shares today. There you go. I I can't help but notice so many of, in this case, your granduncles and your your grandfather and and so on. They're actually all responsible for shops. And you have a number of accountants in the family as well. I do. I yeah, do. Yeah. You so just that, would wonder, wouldn't you? That trait seems to have held well, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so are your pockets sewn shut at the moment there? <laughs> so, Karina, where would you like to go next? Would you like well, to. Well, there's no doubt about it. We'll have to trip down to Gugan. Will we take a trip to Gugan? Yeah, so we'll go further west. The ancient, hallowed grounds of the Cronin clan. I know. And see what's in there in association with St. Vivian. Um, we've been there before, obviously, because it's oh, yeah. quite close to us, but. I think we'll be going there with new eyes again now. There you go. Yeah. Thank you, Mike. You're welcome. That's uh, Finbar's bed.
Well, Karina, we're here now in St. Finbar's Hermitage, I think you call it. You can call it a hermitage or St. Finbar's Oratory, where he set up his little monastery back in the 600s. And looking around here today, their little old walls seem to be still there. And there's very unusual stones as well. Yeah, what is that in front of us, by the way, where you're just about to put your hands on it there? Yeah, so I'm putting my hand on a really flat stone here, and there's a little stone beside it, and the little stone beside it is for making mark on the slate stone. And what's the purpose of putting a mark on a stone like that? So, uh, part of the feast day here, once a year, is that people do a pattern, where they go around to the different parts of this oratory, and they say prayers at what we call stations, different stations. And so they would also make the sign of the cross on the stone as well. So over the years and many years, you can see how the signs of the stone have and the cross have been etched into the stone. And they're worn into a few stones here that we can see around, Mike. If you look around there, there are two more over on the wall over there on the old little wall. And what we're looking at really, I suppose, is uh, people's devotion to the saint. And of course, St. Finbar is really important to us here in Cork because he, uh, this was where he, he, he built the city of Cork. But he set up his oratory here and then travelled up the Lee, the River Lee. So this is actually right at the actual source of the River Lee, would that be right? That's right, sure. Here is where the, the Lee rises in the mountains here. If I can make a connection there as well, Karina, I mean, this will be the source. You know, if I think of where your Cronin family is buried, associated, associated, of course, with Gugamara originally, you're going downstream, basically, to the actual graveyard in uh, Ahina. And um, there, just downstream, you actually find your Cronins. That's right. So my great-grandfather was down in Ahina. And so then that's further down the river. And then if we go further along the river again, you come to Ovens where his son Bart, my granddad, settled, and then further into Cork City. It's only a stone's throw in the way. So just put a time frame on, as you say there, it's like the 500s, 600s that St. Finbar will be here. And like that's really kind of two or 300 years before the arrival of the Vikings, uh, more before the Normans, more before the English, and so on and so forth. And somewhere along the line, the Cronins became very attached and associated with this very specific place and looking after the shrines associated with St. Finbar. Yeah, and we've just had a cup of tea in the local hotel, which is the Cronin Hotel. And uh, there are Cronins around here still. So, yes, we're very closely connected to this area. And just up over the hills there, we're into kind of west of West Cork and into Kerry very shortly after that. So you could say we're in prime Cronin territory. Would that be right? Yeah, the Sheehy Mountains surrounding the uh, River Lee. And today it's really, really amazing because all the autumnal colours are out. So on the stony face there of the, the rocky mountain facing us, everything is turning orange and golden and brown. Um, so actually it's a lovely time for us to have popped down here to Gugambara. It is, isn't it? I mean, a lovely kind of space to be come to as often as we can. But in some ways it's probably been too long this time. But, you know, we're here now on the journey back to find more about your Corona family. Yes, I'm looking forward to doing that with you, Mike, and... Each step we take along the way, we learn a little bit more and it makes me more curious. What a magical setting. The little church beside the lake has a fairy tale look about it and it's no wonder it's very popular for weddings. And turning the old handle, we stepped inside the church and were immediately warmed by the heat of hundreds of tiny twinkling lighted candles. Well, Mike, isn't this amazing here in this wonderful little 
church here on the lake, St. Finbar's. St. Finbar's Arch, Yangugav, our lake. And we've just stepped into the church and I feel really warm here because there's so many <laughs> candles lighting for... It's a real shelter, isn't it? Yeah, so why don't we light a candle? I'm going to pop in some money here and light a candle for my Cronin family. Wait, they're down here. Here we go. And we'll add our candle to all the others. So there you are. That's it. Oh, very nice. So we've joined the other, the other candles now in this lovely little archery. Well, I think you're joining all your crone and ancestors together in that one lighting of the candle cranny and all that. Yes, I think you're probably right there. They were a very religious bunch, my crone and family. I know we can see it went way back. Yes, you can see there were long, strong ties to the church yeah. within the family. Lovely.
I'm back home now with so much more information on that branch of my family tree. And I know so much more about Bartholomew Cronin. You might remember at the beginning, I had set out to find, you know, where had Bartholomew been born and where had he lived till he came to Ovens? And where, I wonder, was his final resting place? Did I succeed? I think we did well. We found the old home place in Rasheen, the house still standing, and we discovered the local school was built by Bart's father. And in the school, there's Bart and his family had attended. We found the school principal, Ger Coakley. He was working late and he pulled out some old Rolla or roll books. And there we saw Bartholomew Cronin's name written in pencil all those years ago. And it was written as Batty Cronin. Then we found the Cronin plot in a Hina graveyard. That was a great thrill for me. And he had been buried by the banks there of the River Lee, back near Rasheen with his own people in the end. Along the way, I have connected with a branch of the family I hardly knew and got to spend some time in the company of my father's cousin, Ted Cronin, and met his wife, Joan, and daughter, Catherine. And I look forward to meeting some more Cronin relations very soon. Maybe you have been on an ancestral trip like this one yourself, or maybe you have yet to take one. I recommend that you take a single person and go to the places that they once knew. I know my trip gave me a different perspective on a whole line of my family tree. And so this part of our journey is coming to an end, and I'd like to say thank you very much, Mike Collins, for guiding me through the records. His skill at dissecting the records has paved the way for lots of my discoveries. Thanks too to the helpful people we met along the way who shared their stories and brought my grandfather to life. Thanks for your company on today's Letter from Ireland show. And if you have an experience you'd like to share with us, we'd love to hear from you. We look forward to you joining us again next time on the Letter from Ireland show. So everybody, till we chat again, Slán Gafol, that's Irish for a goodbye for now. Slán and goodbye, Karina. If you've enjoyed today's Letter from Ireland show, we'd like to invite you to check out our special membership area, the Green Room. You hear us mention it a lot during the show. And you can find full details of the Green Room at letterfromireland.com forward slash Green Room. Our Green Room is the essential resource for anybody at any stage in researching their Irish heritage. Because it's where we delve into all the good stuff to help you break down those brick walls and really connect the pieces in your Irish ancestry puzzle. In the green room, you get access to online genealogists, extensive research tools, quick win training, as well as member-only access to johngrenham.com and a very supportive, active community to help you along the way with feedback and advice. The Green Room is the perfect place to be for anybody starting or continuing their Irish ancestry search. So why don't you come and join us there at a letterfromireland.com forward slash green room. That's it for me, but I'll be back next time with another installment of the Letter from Ireland show. And I really look forward to chatting to you then. Slán Gafol, Karina. <laughs>